0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at Roundrockchurch.s. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. All things have been committed to me. No one knows the Son except the and no one knows the Father except and those whom the Son chooses. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will take my yoke upon you and learn from you. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your For my yoke is easy and my burden is easy. The word of the Lord for us. Say amen. Let me pray first. Sit down. Uh, so, Lord. As we uh open your word this morning by uh the power of your spirit, and you open our heart to receive every good thing that you have Lord, these words
1: healing and power and honestly God, I feel like the words I'm about. Mm-hmm. NBC.
0: So we are uh, going to take a few minutes here at the end of service and we're actually going to. How about now? Okay. Maybe we shouldn't spend those few minutes that way. Uh, we're going to take a few minutes at the end of service uh, and we're just going to take time to actually recognize uh, and celebrate Abby Kitts this morning. Uh, she has done some amazing things with our worship team, uh, and we just need to honor her uh, because she has gone above and beyond things that we have even asked of her today. Uh, so I'm only going to take a few minutes to close out this series that we have been in called uh, A Bad Case of the Men. Uh, I'm just going to take a couple minutes, which uh, is an answered prayer for some of you. You're like, I came on the right week. Yes, he hears prayer. If you want to uh, be with me this morning, you can turn to our passage. It's going to be in Matthew 11. This is the text that Haley just read for us this morning, uh, and it's going to be starting in verse 27. This is one of the most common phrases you hear Jesus saying. Even people who do not come to church regularly have probably heard or at least read on a hobby lobby sign some of the words that you hear this morning. Uh, there are phrases in life where we assume We think we know what they mean and we actually adapt them to mean what we think that they mean and uh, One of the phrases that I ran to just uh, a week ago uh, Was actually this phrase thinking I knew what it meant. The proof is in the pudding Have you ever used this phrase before? Like it. mm -mm, mm -mm, No, some of us have not. It's another way of saying, put this to the test. Now, when I use the phrase, the proof is in the pudding. What I immediately think of is I immediately think of a bowl of my favorite pudding. Okay, it can be whatever flavor you want to be. Mine's going to be banana. Okay, with some good wafers. And I think when I use this phrase, I'm thinking this thing is so good. I could try to convince you how good this thing is, but you're not going to believe me until you taste it. In other words, let the results be the testimony based off the evidence. And I actually found out historically this week. uh, This phrase, the proof is in the pudding, has nothing to do with dessert. I actually found out that the way that most of us use it is not even the way it was originally intended to use. If you track the history of the phrase, the proof is in the pudding. This is the Americanized version of a shorthand that was actually the proof of the pudding. And if you go back to the 1700s in Britain, where this was actually coined, the phrase was actually the proof of the pudding was in the eating. Now, that's a mouthful. But this was the original phrase. and. Pudding actually had nothing to do with a dessert. In Britain, pudding referred to a form of sausage, of minced meat just put together in in a sausage form. And people would say the proof is in the pudding to say, you should eat a little bit of it and be cautious and make sure it's good before you eat the rest of it. It has nothing to do with dessert. Nothing whatsoever. You've been living a lie this morning. Have you been doing that? this phrase has been assumed and adapted the words of Jesus? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden has been assumed. And adapted. When we hear the phrase, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, we think Jesus is going to give me a personal day. Jesus is going to help me slide off all of the things that are heavy to me. And no matter what Hobby Lobby may like you to think about this phrase or what bumper sticker you put it on, it's got way more power than just a phrase that says, give it over to Jesus and everything is fine afterward. This is not a saying of This is an invitation. It's a healing invitation of Jesus. It is one of Jesus' most inclusive invitations that he gives to the world. He says, Come to me, all, not some. You'd be like, Well, I mean, most people, right, but not them. And Jesus goes, No, 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 all. And you're like, Right, 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 I understand, all. All of them, except that person who messed up, and Jesus is like, No, 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 all. I mean all. It's the most inclusive statement. Jesus says even the person I'm most uncomfortable with absolutely all. His healing is available to him. It is the most inclusive statement of Jesus and at the same time it is the most exclusive statement from is the most inclusive invitation exclusively through when Jesus says these words he says them with a pun we don't usually read the words that come before it. This is what he says in verse 27. All things, all things, some things, no, 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 all things have been handed over to me by the Father. No one knows the Son, and no one knows the Father, the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Now, if I'm very honest, if I'm sitting across from you, and you are considering Jesus. This is not one of my most favorite phrases that Jesus said. It's exclusive. Jesus doesn't say, there are many ways, and I am one of those. Jesus says, I am. I am the one to Father. I am the one who gives breath. He's not one voice that you add into the voices of your life. He is one voice to listen to. The world hears this and they hear this as bad news. I don't know about you, but when I walk around the world, it seems like one of the highest values right now culturally is be open to everything and everyone all the time. And you're good as long as you're open. To everyone and everything in every way. We, we value that. But in the cultural moment where we look down on people. Who are not open to anything and everything. We also have to recognize there is an anxiety. Of living in such a way that you are open. To everything. All the time. From everyone in your life. Maybe here's an example to think of it. So a uh, couple Weeks ago, uh, my wife and I get sick at the same time. And uh, usually um, one of us gets sick and the other one can pull through for the other. Okay? Uh, when I get sick, uh, I become a four-year-old. Okay? I can't even, breathing is exhausting. Okay? I'm just like lounged out everywhere. And my wife and I were laid out a couple weeks ago and I just, I drag myself, I crawl into the drug, and I, I go over to CVS, because that's the land where God fixes things, and I go down, and I walk down the aisle, some of you are like, amen, amen, I've got kids, that's true, I I walk down the aisle, and I start looking at all these different medication, and I start reading the different labels, and some of them, you know, say, uh, fast acting, I'm like, I need some of that, and some of them say like, extra strength. I need some of that. And then some of them are like, hey, they're healing things I didn't even know were wrong with me. And I'm like, I need some of that. And I come back to the house and care. Just she sees all these bags from CVS and she's like, my, did you did you shop at CVS or did you rob CVS? Because there are all these different medication. And then she asks the question, which one do we take? I start reading labels. Some of these medicines actually conflict. I don't know which medicine I need to even take. They're all contradicting each other. You know what I ended up doing that night? I didn't even take any medicine. I went back to the pharmacist the next morning. And I was like, look here, I got all these things. I need to know which medicine did I take. Why? Because I can't figure this thing out. I need someone to direct me in life and tell me this is what you need to take and this is what you need to do. And until I know that my life will be filled with anxiety because there's always something else I could take. That is the parallel. The news of Jesus is good news because he's like, I know the father. You don't have to figure this out. You can just follow. You can just follow. And his prerequisites are so low to follow. He says, as long as you know that life is wearisome and burdensome, you are ready for the medicine. He says in verse 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give. In other words, Jesus says, for anyone who has a bad faith of the man. Who is burdened and weary by life. I've been given this definition over and over every single week for this series. A definition of man is the decrease of willpower and waypower for engaging life. It's a life where it feels like every single week you are just trying to push your way I have a friend that says uh, adulthood is basically every week telling yourself, I just got to get through this week. And you believe it, but you keep saying it over and over and over again until you die. They're like, that's adulthood. One of the sources that creates the symptoms of us feeling mad. Is that we put burdens on ourselves. And we also are surrounded by the burdens of the world and people around. And the good news, I want all of us to hear. Maybe maybe this is where the sermon starts right here. The good news. is That Jesus promised in these words. He's not going to pile on you. He's not going to add to the heavy weight and burden of things that you are already navigating. When I first got to this church, there was a conversation I had with someone that's just haunting. Like, I just still think about it. I remember I was in a circle of people and I was like, you know, what What do you think we should start doing in this church? And I'll never forget one, one lady said to me, I don't want to suggest for us to do one more thing. I don't know if I can handle needing to do one more. I don't want to come to church and feel guilty that I'm not doing one more. The good news of Jesus is Jesus isn't asking you to add some more things to your plate to be able to receive rest. Jesus invites you into what you are existingly doing right now. He says there is a way to live life with all the things you're navigating that you can be at rest in the midst of it. But how Jesus says this, this is the proof in the pudding. Like this is the pivot that you're like, okay, that's a weird way to go with this. Because Jesus says, here's how you invite my rest. You take my yoke upon you. And you learn from, from gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for Soul. Translation. Jesus says. You want to find rest. You start inviting a new type of work. in. Dale Bruner. Who is this scholar over Matthew. He literally has this quote. That I think is so helpful in describing it. He says. A yoke. Is a work instrument. Thus when Jesus offers a yoke. He offers what we may think. Tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. And if you're unfamiliar with the term yoke, yoke is, it's basically just, a, it's, it's pool to, it's this large beam that uh, farmers would sometimes put two oxen through the holes of it. You may have seen pictures like this. It, it connects two beings together and the force and power moves stronger. Dale Bruner goes on further to say, uh, but Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry. Fresh way. Bear. Responsibility. Realism sees the succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus Jesus is fully aware, tomorrow you're going to. And the things that are burdensome may still pray for but not. But Jesus said, in the midst of my invitation is not that they go away, my invitation is you can carry them. You invite my work that I have done on the cross. If you invite my work that I have done through the resurrection, into your life. Healing started. It's not dropping everything you're navigating, but coming to Jesus and learning. You know, Jesus was not a farmer. He was a teacher. And teachers back in the day would actually use the phrase as yoke. It would be their way of saying, this is how I want you to navigate the things that are heavy and burdensome in life. Stuff like, marriage and prayer and money and sex and divorce and heartache and conflict in your life. A yoke was a rabbi's way of saying, this is how you go about these things in life. And Jesus says to go about these things in life, you come to me and you learn. And over time, you'll learn that my heart is gentle and it lowly Maybe another way to put that is, is the more you come to Jesus and you are with Jesus, the more you realize that Jesus' heart is not critical, not reactive, not harsh, not lacking in understanding. He just wants to be connected. And when you connect yourself to Jesus, you find rest even in the midst. And I think what I just need to highlight in this sermon is I just need to remind you, He is gentle. He is humble with His heart. And you may ask, how do we even know that? That's because Jesus doesn't just talk about connecting beam of wood. With him take on to be cross is the defining. Factor of showing the world what God's heart is like. I want you to think about Jesus takes on all the burdens of the sin of humanity, and He had nothing to do with it. How many conversations do you have in the week with people where you're like, Mm-mm, "That's not my problem. I'm not taking that on." Jesus says, "Actually, I'll take all the problems." I want you to think about how Jesus is literally nailed to the cross. People are spitting on Him. They're mocking Him. They're making his life miserable. He's being tortured. And the heart of Jesus is forgiving the very people who are making his life miserable. He's weary upon the cross and he's taking care of others. He's forgiving the one that's next to him. He's taking care of his mother with John down there. If that's how the heart of Jesus beats, how much more does the heart of the of Jesus be you? He's humble and he's gentle. He's accessible. He wants to share in the burdens and the heaviness of life, not just get rid of them. He shoulders them with you. Maybe the last image for you is um, uh, an image like this. I uh, I grew up uh, in the summers on a farm with my grandfather and uh, Thing I wanted to do the most with my grandfather uh, was I wanted to mow the yard. I wanted the satisfaction of looking out over greenland, Greenland. shepherd. And I remember uh, I went out to my grandfather and I said, "I want to mow the yard." He was like, "You can't even see over the handlebar of this mower to mow." This yard. But here's what my grandfather did. He took a mower. Like this. And he said. I want you to stand underneath. I want you to hold on. To this middle ball. You walk.
1: And we mowed. The ball. You walk.
0: that's not just the invitation of my grandpa that is the invitation of your heavenly father you walk I know the addiction's really I know you're coping with it right now and you're not telling me you can keep leaning into that cope, or you can walk away I know the marriage is extremely hard and it's hanging on by a thread. You may just want to walk away. Walk with Jesus. Let him. Grace is literally. Activity energy that Jesus gives us to be able to navigate life, life with Jesus. Is not making sure you step out of bounds because his heart may change towards you. No, no, no. The work of the cross is already done. His heart is gentle, is accessible to you. And he wants to share the load with you and slowly start changing things. You don't have to bring all the energy to the table. All you've got to do is come. He will give you rest. And you can learn from him a new way of My same grandfather would say, you know, there's two ways to keep cattle on a ranch. One way is to build a fence. The other way, build. And I remind you, Jesus said, I have living. Many of us want to get caught up on building fences, check out every part of the land, study the history of the land. Studies good, doing things for Jesus good. Don't forget, at first start, becoming the person of drinking,
1: saying,
0: I don't have the energy.
1: I need to come to Lord, come. I think, I think one of the hardest tricks for us we're wrestling with things that we believe and know. Things that are burdensome, things. God, can you help nudge us? Come to you. Receive healing from you. coping with we ask
0: Can you help reveal to us a place why you where we are tired, we are burdened,
1: and we are come And we ask like, can you come fair enough.